Welcome to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast for couples who struggle with infertility and want to fulfill their dreams of becoming parents. In this podcast, you'll learn actionable strategies to deal with infertility from Dr. Michael Chapman, or Prof as he's affectionately known. Prof is the co-founder of IVF Australia and is a leading Australian infertility specialist who has helped over 3,000 couples realise their dreams of becoming parents. To access previous episodes packed with ideas, solutions and tips that actually work, head over to Dr Chapman's IVF podcast on iTunes. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1800 111 483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. That first cry of a baby born after the long journey of IVF remains one of the most beautiful experiences in the world. As an obstetrician and an IVF specialist, I've had the privilege of experiencing this over many thousands of times in my long career, but I still remain moved by each baby's first cry. It signifies the end of a long journey and the beginning of a new life. This is Professor Michael Chapman, co-founder of IVF Australia and host of the IVF Journey podcast. Thanks for tuning in. To access all the previous episodes, head over to my website, www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. You'll also be able to find the various services that we provide at IVF Australia. Today we're going to talk about the medications that people take when they're going through an IVF cycle. We start with an understanding of what's required in an IVF cycle and then we'll talk about the medications that make it happen. So in an IVF cycle, what we're trying to do is to produce multiple eggs that we can harvest and then create embryos. The reason we have to create a large number of eggs, well, perhaps ideally between eight and 15 eggs, is to maximize the chance of success. And the reason that we have to go to that number of eggs is that many of those eggs and it's the same in nature, are probably eggs that are abnormal, immature, and won't fertilize. In nature, we produce one egg a cycle, but pregnancy doesn't occur in every one of those by any means. In fact, it's less than one in six. So in IVF, our first goal of producing lots of eggs requires the use of drugs that mimic the normal hormones that that a woman makes to create the one egg, but in much higher concentrations which enables the ovary to produce multiple follicles and in each of those follicles is likely to be an egg. So FSH, follicle stimulating hormone, is the hormone that nature produces and it is around in higher concentrations in the first five days of the menstrual cycle. In IVF, we give injections of FSH, these days just under the skin, usually on a daily basis, and the doses that we give are multiples above that which is in the normal cycle. The various FSH preparations, certainly in Australia, 
are multiple. The first group, which are biochemically engineered, called recombinant FSH. Gonalef, Puragon, Benfola, Recovil, and Progovirus are the available medications in Australia. Two of these are recently on the market. Recovil, a, another FSH type drug, it has um, the advantage that the dosage is, be, is worked out for individuals on the basis of their AMH level, their weight and their age. And taking all of those things into account, the dosage is supposed to more frequently produce that 8 to 15 eggs that I talked about. Progovirus is also new on the market, although it's a combination of Gonalef and Luvirus, which is a LH-type compound. It's used for women with low LH levels. There's one urinary-derived product in Australia called Menopure, and it's a combination of urinary-derived FSH. So postmenopausal women produce large levels of FSH, and the urine is collected, and then the FSH is refined from that urine, and to that um, sample is then added pregnancy hormone HCG. So that compound has two products in it, FSH and LH. Your specialist will decide which of these medications is their favourite. They, in fact, probably are all identical in their action, that if we use three different medications in three different cycles at the same dose, we'll probably get the same response. So while your doctor may change medications if you're unsuccessful in a cycle in the hope of improving the situation, in fact, it's highly unlikely it's going to be any different. There may, however, be individual variations, and it's on that basis that doctors do justify changing the drug you're using. So that's FSH. Its role, stimulating follicles, produce lots of eggs. In nature, when a follicle grows to around about two centimetres in size and the estrogen levels reach levels of seven, eight hundred picomoles per litre, nature has a mechanism by which the pituitary gland realises it's time for ovulation and sets off a spike of the LH hormone. And that spike of LH hormone is what produces ovulation in a natural cycle. It has some other roles as well in terms of maturing the egg. In IVF, if we just use FSH with estrogen levels rising, with follicles growing, ultimately nature will do the same thing again. It will set off its own LH trigger, which will release the eggs. Obviously, that's hopeless in terms of an IVF cycle because we'd lose the eggs. So fortunately, in the 90s, a drug which was related to, the, to one of the brain hormones called GnRH was modified and we now use the GnRH analogs to stop ovulation occurring. So we are basically blocking the brain from responding to the high estrogen levels and that gives us control of the cycle. It stops ovulation so we can time when we want the eggs to be collected. When I first started IVF back in the 80s, we didn't have those drugs. And so 
we had to watch for the LH surge. Patients had to do urine tests every three or four hours. And then when the surge occurred, we would have to rush in and collect the eggs at all hours of the day and night. Fortunately, those days are over because we often missed ovulation or we collected the eggs far too immaturely. As I say, this, the second drug that we will talk about is the GnRH analogs. There are two types. One is called an agonist, which has been around the longest time. And the reason it's called an agonist is that it initially, for the first two days, stimulates hormone production from the ovaries, but after 48 hours switches off the pituitary hormones and therefore switches off the ovaries unless they're being stimulated by FSH. The standard protocol with an agonist is called the long protocol. You start using the agonist, which can either be a nasal spray in Australia, Cinerol, or by injection, Lucrin. Lucrin is called Lupron, I think, in the United States. So they generally start in the third week of the cycle before the one in which is the eggs are going to be stimulated. So in that last week before a period comes, the pituitary gland is switched off. The agonist is then continued until the day of the trigger injection, just before egg collection. That was the standard protocol through the late 90s and through the early 2000s. More recently, there have been a series of compounds that switch off the pituitary immediately without any flare-up of hormones, and they're called antagonists, GnRH antagonists. And in Australia, we have two such products, Orgaliotran and Cetratide. Because there is no flare-up, they can start during the treatment cycle, and therefore the woman has to have less injections than with long down-regulation protocol. Patients, therefore, prefer it. From a doctor's perspective, it's also, it looks as though it's better, particularly in women with polycystic ovarian syndrome, in reducing the risk of OHSS. So what happens in a normal cycle for, with an antagonist is that the FSH, as it does in all cycles, starts on the second day of bleeding, sometimes the third day. The FSH injections continue on a regular basis, and then on day five, or once estrogen levels start to rise, the antagonist is introduced an injection every day until the day of trigger. The third injection that we're going to talk about, the third medication, is the medication that mimics the LH surge that nature normally produces just prior to the release of the egg. That LH brings the eggs from being 46 chromosomes to 23 chromosomes as the final maturation stage before fertilization. So what we use to mimic the LH surge is either HCG, pregnal, which is the old-fashioned way of giving it, but some people still use it. It's cheap. It does the job. There's a synthetic product called Ovidrol, which also acts like LH. And the third approach is to actually stimulate the pituitary gland to produce LH by using an agonist trigger. That compound that I was talking about earlier, the GnRH agonist, 
which can stimulate the release of the LH surge. That last group can only be used in a cycle that started off with an antagonist because the pituitary has already switched off from using the agonist in a long protocol. That sounds a bit complicated, but basically what we're trying to do is to produce final maturation of the eggs by giving a trigger injection of LH or an equivalent substance. From the time the eggs are exposed to that trigger, we have around 40 hours before natural ovulation would occur with the release of the eggs. So what you'll find is that when you're given that injection, you'll be having your egg collection somewhere between 36 and 38 hours after the injection. What that means is the doctors are able to harvest the eggs directly from the follicles just before they would have been released. So they're as mature as possible, but we haven't lost them. The next lot of drugs that we use are those in the second half of the cycle. And what we know is that when we stimulate lots of follicles, the second half of the cycle can be very abnormal compared with nature. The progesterone levels and estrogen levels that are very high associated with stimulation process and the trigger process drop dramatically. And in many women, a period will come prematurely unless we stop it. And the way we stop that happening is by giving what is called luteal phase support. It's all about progesterone. So we can give progesterone directly either by using pessaries or cream or gel into the vagina. That's the traditional way of doing it. It's pretty messy, but it's essential in terms of stabilizing the lining of the womb in preparation for the implantation of an embryo. In women who only have a few follicles, one can use pregnancy hormone, pregnal, three times during the 14 days after egg collection. And what's it doing? It's stimulating the ovaries to produce more progesterone. So it's another way of supporting the lining of the womb. It is, however, dangerous to use when there are lots of follicles around and hyperstimulation can be a problem. So basically, they're the medications that you'll come across in the luteal phase. They're crinone, eutrogestin, which is a tablet, progesterone pessaries, endometrin. So there's a multiple of compounds that are progesterone, uh, their action. So we stimulate the cycle with FSH. We stop ovulation by using GnRH analogs. We trigger the final maturation with an LH-type drug, and we support the second half of the cycle using progesterone. And don't forget that you can access all the previous episodes by going to our website, www.theivfjourney.com, and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. Thank you for listening to The IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast which helps couples negotiate their way through the IVF journey all the way to parenthood. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1800 483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au.